Yeah, hello everybody, welcome. Once again, as we continue on in our study, um, right now we're studying through the Old Testament. We finished five years in the New Testament like six months ago, so we did that. That was great, chapter at a time. We've embarked on our 15-year journey into the Old Testament, and uh, we are more than six months into it now. I believe we're six, right at six months, uh, and we're in Genesis 26 today, so we're making great progress uh, through the Old Testament. We'll continue to go at it a week at a time. And like I said, so 14 and a half years from now, we'll wrap this one up. And then we're going to start over again with the New Testament. I might take a week off. I don't know. But maybe not. 20 years after that, then someone else will teach after that. Yes. So, uh, context. So important when you read the scripture. That's why we study it this way. It's so important to have a, a feel for what's taking place, why it's taking place. That's why we read the New Testament the way we did. And now we can go back in the Old Testament and you'll see how it all ties together. Remember, I said there's, there's, if there's, there's just a few things I want you to really hang on to as we study through the book of Genesis um, that you go away going, okay, this is what I know about Genesis. Four main events, four main people, right? The four main events. So even if you eventually, if I say this every week, you're going to know. But the four main events in Genesis are the creation and the fall and the flood and the Tower of Babel. Those all happen in the first 11 chapters or so. But those are the four big events. And then there's four main characters that take up the rest of the chapters. And those are the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. And and surrounding those four main characters there's a lot of other very important people don't hear that there's nobody else in, we've already seen how important you know, Sarah was and, and how often these people are, are um, listed in the Hebrews 11 chapter of faith so they're all extremely important but the four, four really peak characters the story is building around Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph and remember the one big verse Genesis 3.15 and, and that's, that's the, where we start the crimson thread of redemption and from that verse forward until the cross, throughout the Old Testament, you will see weave this thread of redemption that God has in play. You will see the enemy attack it over and over again, but God is God. And, and uh, this whole process comes to fruition at the cross. So things that were set in motion at Genesis 3.15, the event right after the fall, is this crimson thread of redemption. You'll track it through now as we read through the scripture together. Um, and so we, uh, last week we saw uh, Abraham, the passing of Abraham, and now we are looking at the life pretty much of Isaac. Isaac has the, the sort of least coverage in these chapters, uh, but, but still a very important part of what takes place in the scripture uh, of what's happening. We already saw, you know, last week as we looked at the life of Isaac, how um, he prayed for his wife to have children. It took 20 years for God to answer that prayer. But then that the, they had children, um, and um, we saw that begin to, to take out with, uh, you know, Jacob and Esau. And we saw Esau sell his birthright uh, for a bowl of stew. And remember I said to you, you know, we, that he was hungry. He said, I'm so, what difference does a birthright make when I'm starving? And, and sometimes, you know, we have a tendency, that's why we've got to be careful not to... Um, not to compromise and sell out on what's best because of something that's just immediate, all right? And he would have, he would have survived if he didn't get the stew right then. So, you know, but the, the point is, is the point, and you get that. All right. Well, now we're into Genesis 26, uh, and we're, we're going to learn some more about Isaac. Fascinating, though, because uh, we get in Isaac's life. Even as you get into Genesis 26, Abraham is mentioned eight times in this chapter, 
And you find the word father six times referring to um, Abraham as the father of Isaac. And it's also extremely interesting. You're going to see Isaac deal with, with some of the very same situations that Abraham had to deal with as he presses in. And you're also going to see Isaac mess up just as bad as his daddy did. But remember, from God's way looking back, as you look through Hebrews, these are great people of faith. And, and uh, I'm encouraged by that again, because like them, I often don't get it right. And yet, can still be used by God, and, and just like all of us. And that's really important what you get to. Why I think the Bible is so amazing is that all these less than wonderful character traits of these folks are left in here for us. And, uh, and even, you know, the, the whole lineage of Jesus and some of, the, some of the people that made the lineage, you know, Rahab and, and uh, 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 you know, who had a, a questionable reputation and Tamar who tricked one of the, one of the guys along the way into being part of the lineage and, and a, a Moabitess, you know, she was a great person and everything, but, but uh, uh, you know, that Ruth makes it in there is fascinating. When you think about um, the, the Davidic line, you know, the, the Messianic line, that, that these folks make it in. And so it's because God is concerned about people and cares about people. And it's, it's less about us um, uh, acting like we have it together than it is having a relationship with God and, and working and allowing the Spirit to work in us in the process. So anyway, you see all that unfold as we look through the Scripture. Now, um, if you'll remember, when, when Abraham arrived in Canaan, um, the, one of the first things he encountered was a famine in the land. And his response, um, his solution was um, to leave the place that God had told him to go to and go to Egypt. That was Abraham's sort of movement. And uh, this example, unfortunately, sets a pattern for his descendants. Um, and and they, 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 they are prone to imitate Abraham's decisions... The good ones and the bad ones. How, that's, that's amazing, right? You think about those of you that have kids. Um, <laughs> they, they, they get your good stuff and they get your less than good stuff. And you see it play out. And you hate it when you see the bad stuff. Because you know where it came from too. You'll go, and then you go, oh, that was me. <laughs> so um, we have to trust in the Lord and all that. And you know that God is a redeemer and, and uh, filled with grace and mercy and helps us and uses those things. But... Um, you know, one of the things you need to learn, again, and Isaac will find this out in the course of his life, as Abraham did after he'd messed up enough, that the, the safest place in the world to be is in the will of God. The absolute safest place you will ever be is in the will of God. Even when things look bad, circumstances, if, if you're in the will of God, that's where you need to be. And, and if God certainly tells you to go and do, that's what you do. But, but you know... The, these guys were abandoning the place where God had told them to be because of circumstance. And, and um, you know, it's sort of like when we, when we start to doubt, we're sort of like, how can I get out of this? And when we're, when we're really walking the way we should, the, it's more like, what can I get out of this? Like, what can I learn from it? Where's, where's, you know, what's God going to show me? This is such an opportunity for God to move in ways that I can't even imagine yet and kind of hanging in there. Not that we always get that right, but that's the idea. So Isaac faces the same problem, almost immediately um, famine. And so he picks up and leaves the land that, that promised to them, and he goes to Gerar, which is the capital city of the Philistines. And he gets help from Abimelech. Uh, and and uh, they, they were probably at this time 
uh, living, Isaac and Rebecca were living about 75 miles um, and, and, oh, you know, to the south and west of this, this part of the Philistine, the, the Gerar. And so they make this trek. And, and uh, they're also, at that point in time, very close to Egypt, too. So it's almost like he was going to go back to Egypt, too, but they, they don't go quite that far. But they, they go to uh, the Philistines. And um, God allows them to stay there. Um, and, and, and part of it is that, that um, uh, he, would, he was ultimately, they would possess all those lands. Um, but, you know, it was really about God approving it. And ultimately he does. He blesses Isaac for Abraham's sake. But th- there's a lot of issues that happen even in that. So, again, we're very fortunate that God uses our messes. But, but sometimes our messes cause messes that we have to deal with. And it's, it's not that God's still not with us and loves us. It's just now we've got some messes that we've got to deal with. Um, and, and so, you know, God uses situations and opportunities, even some of the stuff that we, we shouldn't do. They'll always help us grow and move in the right direction if we'll let him. So here's what happens. As Isaac flees, what we're going to read about, he, he puts himself in almost the exact situation that Abraham had put himself into. Uh, and, and he turns, just like Abraham did, to deception to deal with it. So, so what's, what's similar is that you'll find when we read that he lies about who Rebecca is because he's afraid that they'll, because she's beautiful, that the, this King Abimelech will kill him in order to take her. And so he, he says the same, he does the same exact same thing that Isaac did with Sarah. You know, don't tell him you're my wife. And it's a big problem. And so, again, what I want you to see is his fear overwhelmed his faith and again last chapter remember Isaac prayed God you're you're God you can certainly open Rebecca's womb so that that we can have children he had tremendous faith for that and now another opportunity to exhibit it and he instead he chooses deception and um, and we we have to be careful I'm not judging Isaac because we'll all deal with this all the time when we face difficulties um, Isaac was tempted to run into lie and that's not something that isn't something that we ought to deal with sometimes. So we need to be aware of that. All right, you'll see all that happen in this Genesis 26, beginning in verse 1. I'll read it all to you. We'll talk about a little bit on the other side of the reading. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. That's what will be up on the screen. You can follow along in your Bibles, whatever translation that might be, beginning in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land. Besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while. I'll be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, She's my sister. Because he was afraid to say, She is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She is really your wife. 
Why did you say she's my sister? And Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who molests this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us. You have become too powerful us for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servant dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, so he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. And he named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And there he pitched his tent. And there his servants dug a well. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked them, Why have you come to me, since you were hostile to me and sent me away? And they answered, We saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, There ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we did not molest you, but always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And now you are blessed by the Lord. Always treated you well except for stopping up your wells. But other than that, other than that minor, major, major problem in the old water was such a big deal that, anyway. Isaac, I'll talk about it, then made a feast for them and they ate and drank. Early the next morning the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on their way and they left in peace. That day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. They said, we have found water. He called it Sheba. And to this day the name of the town has been Beersheba. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and also Basemath, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So the Philistines, they would ultimately become some of Israel's fiercest enemies. Uh, they were a group of um, a sort of migrating sea people who had settled in Palestine, um, and they were, um, they were sort of used as mercenaries by the Canaanite rulers because they were like fierce, fierce warriors. And um, although they were friendly to Isaac, this, this small group was really, it was a forerunner of the nation that would plague Israel during the time of Joshua, the Judges, and David. So, so this group is going to be a huge problem that Isaac has encountered 
on this journey. Um, but that's where they go because there's a famine and that's what they decide to do. And, and even though they, you know, they kind of went without, uh, it doesn't look like it was the Lord's best plan for them. But, but uh, you know, they were there and then said, God, don't go to Egypt, he said. But if you stay here, I'll bless you here on the, on, for the sake of Abraham, my servant, which is, which is good. You understand how many blessings we catch because of Jesus? Like all of them. We don't earn any of them. We don't deserve any of them. It's all grace. So, not not that unfamiliar. All right. So, you know, as you press on there from verses 7 on uh, to 11, Isaac um, was afraid that um, they would kill him for his wife. This was something that, that would often happen when um, when people traveled. If they went into a, a different place, These if, if the people in charge there thought that, that the wife was worth having, they would often just kill the husband to get her. And that was the way it went. So um, at some level, you can understand why Isaac did what he did. At other levels, you go, that's a problem. Um, and again, just see it as a, how, how, how fascinating it is. Because all of us will face temptations to sort of go with what looks like the easiest route or the safest route sometimes than doing the harder things and we'll all experience that and then I don't know about you but then you look back and go I don't know why I did that and and then hopefully we learn from it as we grow so it, it doesn't become the the trying to think of um, like I can remember years ago if someone called that I didn't want to talk to and there was somebody that answered the phone and I would just sort of glibly say tell them I'm not here when I was here. And, and then I realized that not only was it not true, I was making whoever answered the phone repeat an untruth on my behalf. And, I, and, I, and at, at first it was, because everybody did that. You know what I mean? Back then, that was before texting and all the other stuff. That was when, you know, phones were phone and you actually had to talk to people. Um, <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden it occurred to me, that's really not appropriate because it's, it's not true in many ways. And I'm also getting someone else in the mix of it not being true. So there are still times when people call. And I really just don't have time at that moment to talk to them. And I, will, I always tell people and have for years now, please just take a message and tell them right at this moment I can't get to the phone, which is true. And, and, uh, and so that's a much better way to go. But it's, do you get how easy it is to say, tell them I'll call them, you know, tell them I'm, you know what I mean? I can't. Anything but just the truth. Right now, I've got too many things going on. Please take a message. I'll get right back to you. It's much safer. So, but you know what it also causes you to do? Answer the, you're on the phone way more than you probably would want to be <laughs> in the flesh. Because a lot of times you're like, okay, <laughs> just give me the phone. So it, it's all part of the deal. So we learn about that as we go. Um, so, so, but that's a, that's a minor thing. This was a pretty big deal. This was his life, right? He, he was, they're going to kill me. And, you know, then he's hanging on to the idea, too, that he's part of the promise. How's that going to work out? But figuring it all out. And again, um, he'd got some... Abraham had done it twice. And no doubt he knew about it. Or partly, you know, had been passed down to him. So, so there you go. And, and we often copy the actions of people closest to us until we have a chance to sort of evaluate them for themselves, for yourself. So a lot of things you'll do in life, you do because it's planted in there. You... Especially when you first come into this walk, you, you will find yourself a lot of times working off of old tapes that you used your whole life and you go, I don't think I processed that through 
better material and maybe that's not the way I should be moving in that situation and so our, over time our minds are transformed by the renewing, right? They're renewed, transformed by the word and then we start, we have a new set of sort of filters that we operate by that's very important but um, up until then you, you're dealing with old stuff then some of it's not so good at least in my experience but God does, in verse 12, um, he keeps his promises to bless Isaac. And Isaac prospered. I mean, in this land, he said he got a hundredfold return that first year on the stuff that he planted. That's a big deal. And so the Philistines got jealous um, because everything that Isaac did seemed to go right. And so what they did was they filled his wells with dirt. And, and <laughs> they were, they were, it was an attempt to get rid of him and it was successful. Remember back then, desert water is like the thing. If you don't have water, you don't survive. And so these wells were precious to these people, especially with their herds and their flocks and, you know, just for sustainability. And for someone to fill in your well, it was, a, it was an act of war, in effect. That's, that's really what was being... They, it, was an act of, it was an aggressive act of war. And... Um, and so you need to see that's taking place here. So the Philistines aren't happy that Isaac has come and settled among them and they've sort of let him kind of be and he's prospering and they're not and they're jealous. At the same time, they, they understand that, that the Lord has got something to do with that and they have, even though they're, they're not worshipers of God, they have a sense of God moving and are a little concerned about that whole process. And, um, and so um, rather than, than pick a fight, um, Isaac just moves along. He says, okay, we'll move. And, and uh, he, they, they redig the well, and then the herdsmen come in and say, that's our well. And so Isaac says, okay. They dig a second one, and they go, that's our water too. But very patient at this point. Isaac's being pretty good. Because I don't, I think, I don't know. I don't think I would have, I, I, I don't would, I wouldn't have liked that. <laughs> he moves along. Third time, they dig new wells. And, uh, this time it, there's nobody chasing them for the wells and uh, they can settle there and be okay. So then they have that happen and then all of a sudden, uh, again, the Philistines see that they're continuing to be blessed and they decide that the best thing for them to do, because they've aggressively acted on Isaac, they decide we better make a peace treaty with Isaac. So we're going to go and um, it's like the, the people outside can see the blessing of God and they want to be a part of that. And so they reach out. And Isaac, God bless him, responds well and says, good, peace is what we're looking for. You go be you, I'll be me, and we'll leave each other alone, and, and here we go. So we have that. And then um, that little tag at the end, Esau marries local, local um, uh, women who wouldn't have believed in God. Uh, and so they would have been caught up into all of the false worship and stuff that they were supposed to stay separate from. And um, this, was, um, this really grieved Isaac and Rebecca, that Esau made those choices, and that's the way that went. So um, Esau probably should have checked in, listened to his parents, but he didn't remember the lengths Abraham went to to get a wife for Isaac. So they they didn't marry girls right there, go and get back to the family that promised and where the blessing would contain. But remember, Esau's not going to be, Esau had already sold his birthright anyway, so it's going to go to Jacob. Okay. That's enough of Genesis 26. Um, I, I think that's a good chapter. Lots of neat stuff to learn there. It's always about, you know, 
are, are moving towards living by doing the next right thing, messing up. Knowing God forgives us, not pushing that, not, not messing up on purpose because of that, but you know, our heart's desire is to, to live rightly for God and that it takes the process of our lives to move into that process and these guys all get better as they go. All right, that's good for tonight. If you're watching my video, thank you. Appreciate you doing that. We'll see you soon. We'll be back next week.